rise up out of our sin and death and to be the brand new creature that he's called us to be. Praise the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Disciples House. Please be seated. All right. So upcoming events, we have prayer for the nation at 8 a.m. Uh, that's, that's this coming Saturday. Uh, please come and join us to help pray for the nation. Uh, as you know, the nation's in great need. Yep. Um, and, the, and the word says that if, we, if we'll humble ourselves and pray, he'll, he'll heal, heal our, our land. land. Yep. So praise the Lord. That's what we're going to do. All right. So youth camps are due March 10th. Uh, so if you're planning on going to youth camp, please get your deposits in so that we can get them into the camp on time. Uh, March 12th, we have uh, the, the clocks are going to move forward. Yo, yay. <laughs> right? If it uh, would stay there, it would be one thing. But just a reminder, you know, you don't want to be... Hour late. That, hour later, hour early, I don't know. We're springing forward. Yeah, Spring we're going forward. forward, so you'd be late, right. Okay. Thankfully, uh, I use my cell phone and it changes itself, so praise God. All right. <laughs> uh, otherwise, I'd be late. That'd be bad. Uh, we would call you. Right. All right. So, anyways, uh, Contending Faith Bible Conference is coming up in Gatlinburg. That's March 21st through the 23rd. If if you can come and you want to come, uh, please do. Uh, if you need information on that, you can get with Robbie or me, or you can go to uh, rgm.me. It used to be written on here. I have to remember it. But. Yeah, you did good <laughs> yep. without prompting. Right. So, uh, and then... Uh, of course, April 1st will be prayer for the nation again because we do that every Saturday, every first Saturday of the month at 8 a.m. Uh, also, uh, Easter's coming up. Yay. Happy Yay. Resurrection Day, April 9th. And then uh, Mother's Day is May 14th. Man, this is just getting longer and longer. Okay. And then uh, May 26th through the 28th. Make sure you put that on mm -hmm. your calendars. Uh, Miss, uh, uh, Mr. Larry and Miss Angela Keaton are going to come and uh, preach for us. And they they, uh, they used to teach at uh, Rama Bible College, or, or Miss Angela did anyways. Uh, and they've been ministers um, to the uh, to uh, Czech Republic and uh, in Poland. Ukraine Poland. and Poland. Poland yeah, they've yeah. been all they've been all over in that area. But they they uh, they've set up churches over there, and they used to they used to. Anyways, they're they're going to visit. It's the first time they've been back in a while. They're going to go back over to Poland and, and visit. And then they will they will be back here uh, in time to come see us. Amen. Praise God. That they'll, they'll, ob they'll obviously they will have much to say. All right. Uh, and then Generation Life Youth Camps coming up June 26th through the 30th. And okay. Oh, and so make sure you join us for uh, our Sunday evening service, our healing school. That's at um, um, seven um, six p.m. Right. Okay, and then Wednesdays we're still doing our we're still doing our um, um, foundations. foundations class, man, <laughs> at 7 p.m. Uh, and that'll probably be going on for at least a couple more weeks. All right, so our meditation for this week is uh, our in him is First uh, John 4 9 out of the Amplified, and it says, "In this the love of God was made manifest, displayed, where we are concerned." In that God sent his son, the only begotten or unique son, unto the world so that we might live through him. So, praise God, he sent Amen. his son, his only son. Thank you, Jesus. For us, so that we might live. So our confession, God manifested his love for me. God, God. manifested.
by sending his one and only son into this world to die for my sins. I have accepted him into my heart. Into my Therefore, I live through him. Amen. All right. So, our healing scripture for this week is Psalms 91:16, and that's out of the New King James Version. Uh, With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Praise God. All right. So, our confession, God brings me long life. He has saved me by his salvation. Praise God. All right. So, well, let's pray. Lord, we come before you today, and we thank you for being here with us. We thank you that you are always happy to be with us and that you, that you love us more than, more than we could even imagine. You gave your son for us. You, you, gave, uh, you made a way for us. Even though we weren't doing what you were supposed to do, what you wanted us to do, and we weren't following the way we should, you made a way for us so that we could come back to you. And Lord, we choose to come back to you, and we want to learn more about you, and we want to become more like you. Please give Robbie and Michael the words that need to be spoken today, the words that are just right for us, that are just what we need to hear, that will lead us and guide us closer to you, Lord. We thank you for your many blessings, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads and guides. Lord, we will carry this word with us. We will, we will tend it. We will grow it. It will grow and bear fruit in our lives and in the lives of those we come in contact with. Because your word says that we should spread the good news, that we should, we should tell others of what our Lord has done for us, and that we will do. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. We are forearmed and forewarned, and we have the name of Jesus, and we will use it against you, and we will stand against you. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. You cannot come to take our word. We will guard it with our whole hearts and our whole lives. In Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Good morning, disciples. Let's do our confession together. I am, I am the, the image, image of, God. of God. I am spirit and flesh. I am very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I am a new creation and a new creature. I am dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I am dead to sin, quickened to life, and saved by grace. I am buried with Christ by baptism. I am raised from dead with him. I walk in the newness of life. I am forgiven and redeemed. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am the righteousness of God. I am the workmanship of God's hands. I am created and ordained. To do good works. I am justified by faith. I am chosen and I abide in Christ. I am holy and without blame. I am predestined for adoption. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer. I am greater. I live, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as king in life. I can do all things in and through Christ. I am near to God by the blood of Jesus. I am raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. 
Jesus, I am here to meet with you. Amen. 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 Well, how many know that's that's not for God, that's for us. Amen. That's to remind ourselves what God has promised us. Amen. <clears throat>
Jesus. Thank you, Father God. You serve a living king. Glory, glory, glory. There's an all. 
every chain, break every
that you think through mine and Michael's minds, you speak through our lips the very oracles of God, that you use our tongue as that of the pen of the ready writer. And Father, we choose, Father, we choose to set aside our preconceptions, our pre-ideas, and our own set mindsets to get the mindset of Christ. And Father, I thank you in advance for the wonderful goodness of your word in Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's people said amen. amen and amen. We'll turn around and greet somebody as you're seated. Love each other. I know we're missing a few people this morning. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Brooke and Steve are off somewhere, aren't they? Brooke and Richard. Not Richard. I'm Brooke sorry. and Steve is here. I don't here. know why I'm getting them confused. <laughs> Brooke and Richard are gone, and Mari's gone is out tonight this morning. We love the hugs. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. So, yep, uh, Brooke and Richard have gone to Texas, but they're in the house of God this morning. Praise the Lord. Um, they've gone to Texas to see uh, Brooke's sister, Richard's daughter, of course. Um, so they're having a good time there. Uh, they let us know that they're there safe and sound and all is well and sent uh, Bridget pictures of the church they're visiting this morning. It's a beautiful facility. Um, and then uh, Mari, uh, you know, this time of year when things start to bloom and bud, uh, he's he's fighting back the, the allergy devil. <laughs> he's fighting back the allergy devil. So uh, just, just uh, we just pray for him real quick and command the healing and power of God to flow into his body. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we reach our hands by faith towards Brother Mari. Father, we command the sinus cavities to be open and to be cleared for all alert for all things that seem to irritate and frustrate the body to be gone and disposed of. No allergic reactions in any way. The ears and the sinuses to be open. The throat to be settled. No congestion in the chest area or the respiratory system in any way. Father, we thank you for divine healing upon him and upon Zach this morning. And, Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. and amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. When sickness attacks, you've got to know where that sickness comes from. It comes from a messenger of Satan. Um, doesn't mean necessarily that the person is in sin, although sometimes it does. And so when sickness attacks, of course, the first thing we do is we do a checkup and make sure, you know, we don't have any open doors. Um, and if we do have open doors, well, we repent and close them. But if we don't have any open doors, then, you know, we just still, either way, we still deal with the sickness, command it to go, and the body to be healed. Well, this morning, I want to turn to Isaiah 43 real quick. Isaiah 43. And uh, I'll give you all just a minute to get there. Isaiah 43. Uh, and, and we're going to look at verse 25 and 26 because we want to keep it in context. Isaiah 43, 25 and 26 reads as follows. I, even I, am he that blotteth out my, or thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. So in this particular set of verses, God is talking about um, your, your sins being forgiven. And he says, 
and he says, I, and here's why, notice it says, this is pretty cool, we don't think about this a whole lot. He said, I'm going to forgive your trespasses, I'm going to blot them out as though they had not even existed for my own sake. He does it for his own benefit, um, because he wants to have fellowship with us. But then he goes on and he says, put me in remembrance. In other words, God said on a regular basis, remind me, not of your sins, but remind me of my goodness. Remind me of the things that I've promised you. Remind me of our relationship and our friendship. Put me in remembrance. And so, and then he said, and then in putting me in remembrance, he said, let us plead together. So the indication here is that when we go to the Father in prayer, that we're to put him in remembrance of, of different things. Now, we're not actually going to talk about sin necessarily. We're not going to talk about prayer necessarily. Um, don't, don't get your feathers in a dandy. Don't say, well, that's it, I'm done, and close your ears. Because if you'll listen, if you'll keep your heart and your mind open, uh, you're going to find out that you've got some pretty amazing rights and legal privileges with the, with the Lord. So what we're going to talk about today is the right of the tither. The right of the tither. Now, before you get all upset, and there goes that preacher just trying to get money out of me, let me clarify. This is the first time in the history of Disciples House in the three and a half years that we have ever addressed the subject of tithe. We've never addressed the subject of tithe. Does it mean that, we don't, that we're not tithers? No. In fact, this house is an amazing group of tithers. We have pretty close to 100% tithing rate in this house. The only reason I can't say for sure is because not everybody puts their names on it to record it. But I pretty well know what everybody's doing. Um, and I know it because Jesus, because I follow Jesus and Jesus watched the tithers in the temple. So we watch it too. And we're not watching it to see if you're tithing. We're watching it so that we can know to be able to bless you. And we watch it so that we know that we're able to say when, we're, when we go to the Father in prayer, we're able to say they're a tither. Because there's certain rights and privileges that belong to a person when they are a tither. The other thing that I need you to know is that currently, Pastor Michael and I don't take, a, don't take money from the, from the ministry. We don't take a salary. Um, in fact, last year, last October, you guys were so gracious to, uh, for Pastor Appreciation. Y'all sewed us into us financially. Um, and that was wonderful. And honestly, I had to fight down myself because I was like, Lord, that's church money. And the Lord said, no, the people gave that to you to bless you and Pastor, and you need to take it. So we did. But other than that, we don't, we don't receive um, and, it's, and, and it's because we want to pour into the ministry. And God takes care of us elsewise, um, and, and very much so supernaturally. Um, so we're not trying to get any money out of you. In fact, I'm just going to tell you on the front side, and I'll prove it to you in the scriptures. I'm just going to flat tell you right now. If your heart is not right, keep your money in your pocket. Don't give it to the house. If your heart is not right, do not give uh, don't don't sow a tithe, don't sow an offering, because it'll do nothing for you. The reason that we tithe, and I'm going to prove this in the Word, the reason that we tithe 
is because it's our side of the covenant action. It's our side of the covenant. Um, and, and the reason is, is because when we tithe, we're showing God that um, we recognize that without him, we'd have nothing. That's what, that's what tithing is. But the reason I brought up, because the Lord kept telling me, that's why I was late coming into service, because the Lord kept bringing this and a few other scriptures to mind, and I had to go get them and write them down, um, is he said this. He said, put the people in remembrance that when they tithe, they have rights. So just like God said, put me in remembrance, when you come to me in prayer, God said, put my people, because I haven't preached on it in three and a half years. Uh, he said, put my people in remembrance that they have rights as tithers, that you have rights as tithers. So I want to show you that you have rights and privileges as a tither. Let's address the issue of the heart first. Uh, let's go to um, 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9. Glory to God. Quiet in this Pentecostal house this morning. <laughs> it's quiet in this Pentecostal house this morning. Glory to God. Second Corinthians chapter nine. Now, in this particular set of verses, here uh, Paul, the writer—I believe Paul's the writer, or Paul is the writer of, of Corinthians. Paul is addressing the offering. He, he's addressing offerings, not tithing. But if it apply, if this principle applies to offerings. It also applies to tithing. So here he's talking about um, specifically in the context of what's being said in, the, in these chapters, um, he's talking specifically in regard to sowing a seed, which is an offering. Let's look at verse 6, 7, and 8. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. This is why we know it has to do with the offering is because he's sowing seed, and I'll explain that later. Every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give. Notice he says, according to what you purpose where? In your heart. In your heart. Go ahead. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. God doesn't want us giving out of, he doesn't want us have being grudgingly. He doesn't want us going, well, fine, God, here's your portion. He doesn't want us having an attitude about it. And he doesn't want us giving because we, out of necessity, some people have this mindset, well, I can't afford to not tithe or I can't afford to not give. They, they're kind of treating tithing and offering like a slot machine, like, like an ATM machine. If I'll give my tithe, if I'll give my offering, then automatically God's going to cause increase to come. And that's, that's, having the mis that's, that's having the mindset of, of tithing or giving an offering out of, um, out of necessity. And he said, no, no, no. He said, I don't want you to have that mindset. He said, he said I want, uh, go back to verse 7 for me on the screen, please. He said, every man according as he purposes in, in his heart. In other words, what is the heart in this category? In his heart means in his spirit, down on the inside, the real him. And also, uh, because I'm going to tell you right now, there's going to be times that your spirit's going to say to give, and your emotions are going to freak out. 
your emotions are going to freak out. You know, when we first started, we barely had two pennies to rub together, and sometimes I don't think we even had that. Uh, but, you know, and then, you know, my spirit would say, you need to sow, you need to give. And I mean, it, it was with tears of joy, <laughs> oh, tears of joy. You know, my spirit was excited, but my soul, my thoughts and my feelings were not so excited. So here he's talking about in the spirit. So let him give, not grudgingly or out of necessity. And notice there's a colon, which means he's going to explain that a little better. And then he says, for God loveth a cheerful giver so you want to be there needs to be a joy about you when you pull your money out of your pocket there needs to be in a joy there needs to be an excitement that's why sometimes when it's we've kind of lost the momentum here that's probably why God said to put them in remembrance because there was a season that when it came to tithe time everybody got excited you know there was a shout in the house and our shouts kind of faded a little bit why? Because we knew what we were doing is we were engaging our legal rights. And so he said, uh, and, and, obvi- and also it's wonderful to give to the church because when you give to the church, then the church can do some amazing works. You know, we've sowed, I'm telling you, every time Michael and I look at the church finances, I end up in tears because I'm overwhelmed. You know, some people say, oh, because you're desperate for money. No, I'm overwhelmed at the goodness of God. I'm overwhelmed at how just amazing God is. Uh, I try very hard not to let the pressure of finances when it comes to the ministry weigh on me. I work very hard at it um, because um, it's not my responsibility. It's God's responsibility. It's his ministry. It's his job to put it over. And I will, there will be times, you know, because church has a, church, whether you like to think of it or not, church has a very realistic business side. There is a business side to a church. You know, you got to pay the electric bill. You got to pay the power bill. We like the air conditioning and the heat. We got to pay those bills. So there is a business side to the church. Um, so you've got to, you got to take care of that. And you can't be, you know, and this is sad, but there's a lot of churches that call the electric companies and the utility companies and the landlords and what have you, and they beg for extensions and they beg for extra time and beg for discounts and beg for grace. Um, you know, they're like, oh, well, we're a church, don't you? And you know what? That gives God a bad reputation. That's a bad witness. Um, I like to personally, any bill that I can pay in person, I like to go and pay in person. Even if it's an inconvenience to me, I like to go pay it in person um, because I like to be that physical witness. Um, and so I go down here to the water company and the power company, and I take them the check, and I always go in with joy, and I always go in ahead of time, uh, unless my calendar gets away from me. Uh, but I always go in ahead of time and uh, give them the check, and I'm always very happy when I go, and I, I'm very gracious. And uh, the, one of the ladies at the, at the Murphy Power Board, she said, I just want you to know we really appreciate you. I said, excuse me? She said, you always pay your bill on time, if not early. You always come in with a smile. I don't ever have to call you. Wow, praise God. In fact, when we expanded our space, she, she went through and she said, I'll tell you, she, she gave me some little tips and some little pointers to help cut our bill, even though we didn't ask for it. Even though we didn't ask for it. Um, because it's the favor of God. That's one of the rights and privileges. 
And uh, I said, wow. I said, so you have a lot of people that you have to call. And, and, and she said, she didn't come right out and say, oh, yeah, a lot of churches. But you could tell by the way the conversation kind of rolled that she was like, yeah, you're one of the people I don't have to call. Like, you're one of the churches. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's good, you know. Um, we need to be a good witness. Um, and so uh, we need to be, and, and again, I'm not, you know, uh, Holy Ghost, where'd you go? Yeah. Uh, we got to be a good witness. We got to be a cheerful giver. I mean, our, I, I, that's what I was saying. As every time I um, look at the church finances, I get weepy because I'm overwhelmed at the goodness of God. So, um, Towards the end of the year, and I've been working to spread them out, but because we started the church in August, like all the yearly bills were due at Christmas time. And that's when you send out a lot of outreach time, too. So I was like, Lord, <laughs> we've got to pay the yearly insurance and the yearly CCLI and the yearly easy worship and the yearly this and the yearly that. And like, man, this is a lot. And every one of these, we've got to do the camp registration and we got to... And all of these are, you know, three, five, seven hundred, eight hundred dollar bills, all due in the same two month period. Um, so sometimes you can you can get under pressure. And I'll just look at the and I'll go through and I'll do all I do the posits and I do all the math and everything and I'll sit down with the Lord and I'll go, Lord, I need like fifteen hundred dollars to come in next week. Like in this week, I need like fifteen hundred dollars. And in my mind, because I know what everybody does, I'm going. In my mind, I'm going, it's not going to come. But then the next week, when I sit down and I do the offerings to go to the bank, he goes exceedingly and abundantly beyond what I could ask or think. And I go, God, how did you do that? God, how did you do that? Why? It's his, it's his job. It's his job. Um, <clears throat> so that's why I say he wants us to be, exceed and God wants us to be taken care of. But it comes from being a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. Um, let's look at verse 9. When you're a cheerful giver, here comes a benefit. And I want you to look at this. Let's, let's read this. Did we get to eight? I mean verse 8. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye may always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. So right there where it says, and God, and God, that for whatever reason, that really grabbed my attention when I was studying this time. And I said, well, Lord, what is that? you like, and God, like, which God, like, like, because I know in the Old Testament, when it says the Lord, your God, you'll get like different. That's how we get the different names of God, like um, Jehovah Jireh and, the, and uh, Elroy and different things like that. So I said, well, Lord, what name is this? And so I went and I looked it up, and this word God right here means the, uh, the, the three judges. The three judges. It's, it's, it's the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and they're acting in the role of judging. And I thought, wow, that's incredible. The three judges is really kind of the indication right here where it says, and God. Um, that word is is italicized, so we can take that out. The writers put that in there just to make it flow better. But, and God the judging God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, able to make all grace abound. Now, grace is just that. Um, grace is that. It's grace which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, um, 
the mercies of God, the kindness of God, it also affords increase. So grace is a lot of times increase. Uh, and then abound, which is amazing to me, this word abound means to exceed a fixed number of measure. To exceed a fixed number of measure um, to be over. So, so God is going to cause you to increase over uh, over the standard. He's going to cause you to increase over is what it means towards you that you always having all sufficiency. That word, first of all, let's look at all. All means all. All means all. Individually and collectively, all means all. So when you have a house that's a tithing house and a giving house like we are, we, the church, the ministry tithes to another ministry that's, that uh, is kind of higher than us. or it's, it's good ground. We just tithe. In fact, we tithe to Brother Randy's ministry. That's who we tithe to. Um, and then we give offerings to the Keatons and as the Lord leads us to other ministries as well. But we tied to Brother Randy, and the reason that we tied to Brother Randy is because that's who Michael and I are ordained under, and that's who God established over us in the Spirit. Uh, not that he has any say over the church, let me be clear on that. Uh, Brother Randy's ministry, Acts Fellowship International, who were ordained under, has no authority or no say in this church, in this ministry. None. Well... <clears throat> Unless we go completely off the rails. Right. Well, but even then, Acts Ministry has no rural reign. Uh, we have Brother Randy on our board. It's Pastor Mike, myself, and Brother Randy. If Pastor Mike and or I go off the rails, in other words, we get away from the doctrines of Christ, uh, then, our el then our advisors in our church, they have copies of the bylaws. They have Brother Randy's phone number. They can call him. And they can say, we have a problem. Our pastors have gone off the rails. Um, and he will come quickly. And they, with him, will sit down and, and deal with us according to the bylaws. Um, but other than that, they have no say. Uh, they, he has no say. The reason that we, that we chose his ministry to be the ministry that we tithe to is because he's good, solid ground. And he sows into this ministry in the spirit Therefore, we sow into his ministry in the natural. So that's why we tithe to him Amen. Uh, or to his ministry. Um, but this word all means all and sufficiency. I love this word sufficiency. It means the perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed. No aid. It would have been enough if God said, God make... A <laughs> God make all sufficiency for you. But he didn't say that. He said, I'm going to make all grace abound to you. I'm going to make all increase abound to you. And then he says, and also having all sufficiency. So he's going to take it a step farther, and he's going to make sure that every area of your life is taken care of. All sufficiency. <clears throat> to the point um, that you're content. To the point that it brings contentment in life. So let me ask you this. If you have your basic needs met, but there's things that you truly, truly, truly desire, are you content? No. 
So then all sufficiency covers not only your, your needs, but also your true heart's desires. Now, to keep this in balance, if you are financially establishing yourself and you are on a tight budget, does that mean if you have an emotional day and you desire the triple large milkshake, does that mean that, that because you're on this budget that you need to go buy your triple large milkshake? No, because that's a momentary fleshy desire. That's not a heart desire. A heart desire is when you simply say, God, I would really like to have and I'd really enjoy. And it kind of keeps coming up and it's something that you kind of just desire. Just desire. I'll give you an example of, of what I mean by a desire. Um, I had told the Lord, you know, just, just, just talking to him just casually, just, you know, I mean, he's taking care of us. He's taking care of our provisions and what have you. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, at that point in time, my purse was about to be worn out. In fact, it was. I just was buying it more time because I didn't. I hate changing purses. Uh, it's just a lot of work, in my opinion. Well, they get, you get comfortable with them. Too, you do. You? you just kind of you get them all set. You know where everything is. You know what to do. And I just kind of hate it. And so I just I was in my closet getting ready one day, or I went to pick up my purse, and I was like, you know, Lord, I really need a new purse. And I had gotten to where I had, I had gotten to the place where. I could tell the Lord, okay, Lord, I'm going purse shopping. Can you can you make one available for me? But this time, and he would. But this time, I just simply said, Lord, it's about time for a new purse. I would really like to have a new purse. Lo and behold, here come one of our church members. Pastor, I have a purse for you. I said, you do what? And it was a nice, nice, nice. Oh, it's nice. Went too much longer. Here come two more. I said, Woo, they're nice. Michael Kors versus. Michael and I were, where were we, wearing Branson or Gatlinburg? Yep. Uh, Branson, I think. Branson. We, took him, yeah. we took him to the outlet mall. He and I went over to the outlet mall, and I said, oh, look, they have a Michael Kors store in here. It is an outlet. This is a good place to get one, or at least to go look. He said, okay, honey. He said, I know you really like those. Let's go in there. He about had sticker shock. I almost had to call 911 for him. He said, are you kidding me? I said, nope, I'm not kidding. He said, you've been given three of these? I said, yeah. He said, Wow. He said, not the goodness of God, that's all sufficiency. That's, that's an example of all sufficiency. Just blessed, blessed, blessed. God takes care of it. Another time I was getting ready and I was picking through my jewelry and I was like, you know, Lord, I'm ready for some new jewelry. And here come another church member with a bag. Oh, I'm not talking a Ziploc bag. I'm talking a bag, Walmart bag, heavy. I was like, are you sure? They oh, yeah, I don't hardly wear anything. Really? Man! And about the time I about the time I go, Lord, I'm ready for like like I like my collection, but I could use an order. Sure enough, here it comes. I'm like, wow, Lord, all sufficiency. See, a lot of times when we think about tithing, you know, we tithe ten dollars, we expect sixty, eighty, or a hundred fold, so we expect sixty, eighty, or a hundred back. But God doesn't always provide His sufficiency in physical dollars. Doesn't? He doesn't. We got to look at one time, <laughs> I, I don't know why we're on story time, but we are. Uh, one time we got to, <laughs> Michael went to go out to weed eat, and his weed eater, oh my gosh, that thing was a nightmare, oh my gosh. It, it had gotten to where he had, the, 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 the button didn't work anymore, and he had to like pour the fuel in and spark the spark plug and do all this to get it, and I said, honey, why don't you just get the new parts for it? 
They don't even sell the new parts anymore. Yeah. I discovered, oh, my weed eater's so old that they don't make parts for it anymore. The weed eater was like almost 20 years old. When, and, and I said, honey, I think we've gotten our I'm money's like, worth. No, it's not. It can't be that He's like, it can't be. And I'm like, mm, yeah, yeah, let's go back. Let's figure this out. And he's like, well, I think it's actually, technically, it was like 16 or 17 years at that point. Still, point. it was so old that they don't make them anymore. <laughs> they don't even make the parts anymore. I was like, honey, I think we got a few hundred dollars out of it. You know, because they call, I mean, you know, when you have no money, a few hundred dollars is a lot of money. But when you, and, and so when you, ha when you buy it, when you have no money, you want that thing to last to eternity. But it doesn't. It doesn't. So you're like, okay, Lord, it's, 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 it's worn out. It's time. <laughs> it lasts yes. longer. It lasts longer. And so that's one of the ways that God gives sufficiency is he causes your stuff to last longer. That's one of the rights and privileges is your stuff just, in fact, we've had stuff last so long that I'm like, would you please just die so I can replace you? <laughs> that's not the right attitude. So we've learned, we've learned God's like, really? Really? And I'm like, oh, okay, Lord. <laughs> Thank you. Let's go to, let's go to Malachi where we begin to see some of these these rights, these legal rights. Obviously, people are like, I can relate. Like, can you please just die already? Malachi. If you Malachi. get to Matthew, back up one book. Malachi, chapter 3. Malachi. Oh, wait. I was talking about the heart. Hold your place in Malachi and go to Genesis, chapter 4. Okay. Genesis, chapter 4. Talking about the issue of the heart. This is why I said don't shut your ears because when you get to meddling with people's money, they close their, they get an attitude. When you go to meddling with people's money. Is that not, is that no, I need, I need uh, chapter 4. I don't have it written down. Okay, gotcha. Genesis chapter 4. Uh, do you know the first murder created outside of the garden was over money? It was. And over tithes. Yeah. It, it had to do with tithes and offerings and money. <laughs> the first murder had to do with giving God money. Oh, my goodness. So Genesis chapter 4, so that's the front of the Bible, Genesis chapter 4. We'll pick up right here in verse 1, and we'll get the full story. All right. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. All right. So now we're finding out how did Abel make his money. Abel made his money through livestock. How did Cain make his money? He was a farmer. And okay. in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought up the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. All right, so let's look at this. I'm going to look at something real quick. Give me just a second. So Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. What's the fruit of the ground? That's the stuff that fell off the tree. Right. It's not the good stuff. It's the stuff, the leftover stuff that normally the wildlife would eat. Right? So that word offering means a gift, a tribute, an offering, a present, an obligation, or a sacrifice. So it's, it's, it's the giving of a gift or the giving of a tribute, okay? So notice it said, and there's been all kinds of controversy on this. There's been all kinds of people that said, well, God was angry because 
Cain, because Cain brought brought food or fruits instead of meats, and Abel brought meats, and I'm like, no, that doesn't make any sense. How can Cain, if Cain is a farmer, bring meat? He's a tiller of the ground. He's not going to have, he's going to bring the meat of the earth. I mean, God even said that the, that the, what the plant produces is the meat of the plant. So, so it can't possibly, it can't possibly be what he's talking about. What he's talking about, notice it says, in, it says, and in the process of time that Cain brought the fruit of the ground in offering. In other words, he brought an offering. He didn't bring a tithe. He didn't bring the first thing. So the word tithe literally means tenth. Literally means tenth. It's what it literally means is tenth. Um, so he didn't bring a tenth of, of the food uh, because it wasn't a tithe. It was an offering. Uh, and he didn't bring, and like Pastor Mike said, uh, the indication here is that this was the seconds of the fruit. It was the leftovers, so to speak. In other words, the indication is that Cain uh, took care of himself first and then said, oh, yeah, God. Um, and it said, and, but on to Cain, or I mean, but Abel, he also brought the first. Now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Because he said, and he also brought the firstlings of his flock. So a lot of people will say, well, see, he also brought an offering. Well, he did bring an offering, but he brought the first fruits, the first portion. And he brought the fat thereof, which is the good portion. Right. At least it was considered the good portion back then. Right. Um, well, because the fat is what they use to, to cure the leather and to help keep things pure, and the, the fat had a lot to do with it. So Abel also brought, in other words, Abel also brought an offering, brought a gift is, is the part that's the also. And the gift was the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. Um, so he brought not only the firstborn animals to sacrifice, but he also brought fat, which is, uh, which is. Um, well, fat is the overabundance. The overabundant, the overflow. So first he brought the first ones of his increase, which would be a tithe, and then he also brought an offering, the fat. So he brought two different gifts to the Lord. Brought two different gifts to the Lord. Uh, and, the and, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and unto his offering. Now that word respect is a really neat word. That word respect means to look or to look at, or to regard, to gaze at or about. In, uh, in reality, it means, um, by implication, to inspect. To inspect. So when it says the Lord had respect, the Lord inspected the offering, inspected the giving, and he chose what was acceptable and what wasn't. So if God is going to, when you bring a tithe, when you bring an offering, the Father God, according to this scripture, says God's going to inspect it. Well, what's he, what's he inspecting? He's inspecting your heart. And he's inspecting what portion of your increase is it. What portion of increase is it? So if you go on down in that definition, it says inspect or consider compassionate, be non-pulsed, 
as looking around in amazement or bewildered. So he was, he was like, wow, this is a really nice offering. He was amazed with Abel's. But then look at it here when it says, but unto Cain and to his offering, he had no respect. Where it says no or he had not respect, that not respect is the exact same word in the Hebrew as respect in the verse before it. So with this word of respect, it can means it can be inspected and received or inspected and rejected. Same Hebrew word. Same Hebrew word. Same word. So he said, uh, so he inspected both gifts and he said, this one I, this one I receive and, and, and this one I reject. Why? Was he, so what made one acceptable and the other rejectable? The heart. Which is why I said, if your heart is not right, keep your money in your pocket. Because if your heart is not right, then God can reject it. And if God rejects it, then your legal rights for being a tither and a giver won't work for you. Won't work for you. It's kind of like, think of it like this. If you go, if you have a legal manner before the judge, say you have a legal, a legal issue before the judge, you have to go before the judge and you have to present your case. And if you have the evidence to prove that you're right in your case, then the law's on your side. But if you don't have the evidence to support your side of you being legally right, then guess what? The law is no longer on your side, and the law is going to work against you. The same thing applies with tithes and offerings, and that's what was happening here. Now, I want you to notice that this situation was before Abraham ever came along, before Moses ever came along, before Noah ever came along, before Jesus ever came along. This issue of giving and tithing occurred at some period after Adam and Eve left the garden. So where did Cain and Abel learn to give tithes and offerings? It was obviously established with Adam and Eve because they were the, have been the ones to teach them. So apparently tithing goes all the way back to the garden, or at least being removed from the garden. It goes all the way back. Well, why do we need to give to God in the first place? Hold your place right here. Um, we'll come back to this, but go to turn, go go look at Haggai which is just a little bit before Malachi. you got Malachi, Zechariah, and then Haggai, if you go backwards. So Haggai, chapter 2. Uh, let's look at verse 6 through verse 8. For thus saith the Lord of hosts. So who's speaking? God is speaking. Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth, and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. So here, this is God speaking, and God flat declared, the silver is mine. And the gold is mine. We know that Satan is currently the god of this world. He's the one in governmental power of this world. 
but the world itself still belongs to God. Satan just has a lease on the world. So every, all the finances of the world belong to God. Now go to Psalms 50. Psalms 50. Who took Psalms out of my Bible? Where'd it go? There it is. Glory to God. Let's pick up. We'll pick up right here in verse 7. 50, verse 7. This is, by the way, this is God speaking. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, and I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. So he's telling Israel, he's telling believers, I am thy God. I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. So he said, I'm not going to, he said, listen, he said, I'm not going to get upset with you that you're taking, that you're, that you're doing burnt offerings before me. Well, that's kind of a strange take. Like, God, why, you, why would you get upset at us for doing burnt offerings to you? Isn't that kind of strange? He said, I'm not going to get upset at you. But let's keep reading. I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds. Because that's what they were sacrificing, were the bullocks and the goats. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. So basically, what, what, here's what the Israelites were doing. The Israelites were worshiping God, and in worship to God, they were sacrificing bulls and goats. And God said, well, that's wonderful that you're doing that, but don't you know they're all mine? They all belong to me. They all belong to me. They all belong to me. What was God establishing? God was saying, yes, they're in your possession, and yes, you have ownership of them, but at the end of the day, it all belongs to me. Well, if it all belongs to him, unless he lets you have a portion of it, how much do you know? You're not going to have any of it. You're not going to have any of it. So if this applied to the Israelites, how much you know that applied to Abraham, uh, I mean, to, uh, to Cain and Abel? <laughs> he said, so why would he inspect it? He's inspecting it to see, are you, are you taking care that you understand that it's mine? So when we give it, so here's, here's what you have to understand about the tithe. The tithe is a tenth of all of your earthly substances that you increase from. So, and you cannot make up a tithe. You can't make up a tithe. You can't live in the world for 20 years, you know, come into adulthood for 20 years, find out, oh my gosh, all this time I should have been tithing, and then go back and pay 20 years worth of tithes. It doesn't work. No, 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 no. God says, I see where you are right now. I see where you're established at this moment in time. From this moment forward, understand that any more increase that comes to you comes to you because I have blessed you and I have caused it to come into your hands. So the tithe is 10% of that increase. Now, people get into all kinds of weird ditches on both sides. Weird ditches on both sides. But the simple fact is, some people will be like, you have to tithe on the gross, and you have to tithe at the first of the year, and you have to tithe this, and you have to tithe that. Hello? It's a matter of the heart. 
understanding that everything that comes to you comes to you by the hand of God, and that and all that God asks is that you acknowledge that through the giving of tithes. Do you acknowledge that when a dollar comes to you, which is an increase, a tenth of that is what? God's. Period. So that's what Abel did, is Abel said, um, my livestock produced, and without the hand of God to cause them to produce, I wouldn't have any babies. So God, you get my first baby. Where what Cain did is Cain said, I worked the till of the ground. I put in all the effort. I did all the weeding, the tilling, the planting, the working. I caused it to come. Therefore, God, you can have my leftovers. Well, how much you know? You can, you can till and plant all day long. But unless God causes those plants to germinate and produce fruit, your work is in vain. Your work is in vain. Because do you know how to make a seed produce? You really don't know how to make a seed produce. You know how to give a seed a proper environment to help it produce. But the actual act of that seed producing, we don't know how that works. We don't know how to make it happen. That's, that's the hand of God. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 4. Oh, wait, let me just read just a little bit more. He said in Psalms 50, he said, For every beast of the cattle of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and all of the beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. So God said, here's what God said. God said, I don't need your sacrifices to support me financially. I don't need it financially. He said, but... I really appreciate that you're giving me, uh, that you're sacrificing what already belongs to me in reverence and respect to me. So that's, that's, so that's what we have. So the first part of understanding and getting the right heart to get the rights and privileges of tithing is understanding that everything that we have came to us by the grace of God. Now, does that mean that we, did, that we just sat on the couch and ate bonbons and it, and it floated right in the window? No. Obviously, we had a part to obtain it, but the fact that we were able to obtain it, the fact that we have the wisdom to obtain it, the fact that we have the physical ability to obtain it, that all comes from God. Amen. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 4. And let's read on uh, in verse 4, and let's just read a little bit. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel, and unto his offering. But unto Cain, and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. So he was already kind of grumbling that, I, oh gosh, I've got to take God an offering. And then he got upset with God that God didn't accept it. And so now he's mad. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? So he told Cain, he said, Cain, you know you did it wrong. He flat told Cain, you know you, if you did it right, you know it would have been accepted. So does that mean that Cain didn't know he was doing wrong? No, that clearly says Cain knew what was the right thing to do. He knew it. 
So God's putting it back on Cain as to why it wasn't accepted. And if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. So when we know to do, we know this, when we know to do right, and we choose to do wrong, that that's sin. So God said to Cain, Cain, you knew how to bring an offering correctly. You knew that it needed to be, that, that by all rights, because I provided for you, I provided an increase for you, that, that a tithe was the right thing to bring, the first fruits of the ground was the right thing to bring. He said, he said, if you had done it correctly, if you had done it with the right heart, then all things would have been well. I would have accepted yours, and I would have blessed you. But you, did, but you chose to do it wrong, which means you sinned. You know it's sin, and therefore you've now opened the door to the enemy, to sickness, disease, lack, the curse. He said, so basically he's saying, hello, Cain, this is, this is on you. Now, I truly believe that if Cain in that moment when the Lord was talking to him, I truly believe if Cain had taken the time to say, you know what, God, you're right. My heart was wrong. I was, I was in a tough. I got into my head. I felt like because I had worked the ground that it belonged to me, that, I had a, that, it, that it was all my work, but you're right. I realized that I wouldn't have had any increase had you not caused it to increase. I'm sorry. I apologize. I will do right next time. I believe in that instant, the Bible would have looked totally different. But Cain was so in his head and in his emotions about his finance and about how hard he had to work. How much do you know? If you don't understand somebody's job, you think they have it easier than you. Right? Because let me tell you, I've, I've planted gardens. I've tilled the ground. I've planted gardens. I've, I've gone out there and weeded. You know, you miss one day, and you go out there the next day, and it's like, I don't know what's a weed and what's my plant. Like, I get it. It's hard work. But I've also worked with livestock, and that is also hard work. I mean, yeah, you're not out there all day, every day, but you've got to get up early. You've got to be up late. You've got to watch them for predators. You've got to deal with parasites. You've got to... When it comes time to shave them, that's a job and it's half. And then you got to, so it's easy to be somebody on the outside, kind of like with ministers. You know, people look at the church and go, wow, it must be nice to work one day a week. And I'm like, seriously, you think I work one day a week? Seriously? I work 24-7, 365 and never take a day off. I'm always on call. God's always talking. God's always teaching. God's always training. God's always, are you kidding me? <laughs> Take a day off? What is that? This part of the job is kind of easy, actually, if you do the other part. But how much, you know, it's easy for people to think, if we're looking at somebody's job from the outside, that they've got it easier. And that's what Cain got to looking at, is Cain was looking at all the time he was spending in the field and looking at all the time that maybe the brother was in the barn didn't realize that the brother was huffing the hay and whatever else. It's just brother wasn't out in the hot sun. So he got an attitude. Because he got an attitude, he didn't want to hear the Father God. Let's keep reading. You really would want to keep going with that? But now it just talks about going to kill it. Just a little bit. Okay. <clears throat> all right. Oh, all right. If thou dost well and shalt... Uh, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. 
And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. So here, rather than God went to Cain and gave Cain the opportunity to repent and get right, but instead Cain got mad, went huffy, and went to Abel and confronted Abel and said, how dare you make me look bad? This is what sinners do. They want you to sin with them. And he got so mad over the money, because that was his money in that day, he got so mad in the, over the money that he ended up killing his brother. And that's what people do. Even Christians do this one to another. You know, how much do you know? You see a Christian that's doing well in life, and other Christians that don't have the revelation of tithes and offerings, or maybe they've been taught to tithe, but their heart's still not right, so they're still not tithing, so they're still operating in the curse. They're slamming the Christians who have a nice house and who have a nice home and are wearing nice clothes and are living in the blessing. I mean, you know, this behavior happens today. Um, but uh, that's not really what we're talking about. But I just want you to see that tithing goes all the way back to the time of Cain and Abel and probably all the way back to the time of the garden. Um, and that there's uh, that, that, it, that tithing does touch the soul, the thoughts, the feelings, and emotions. And God understands that. But God also made a covenant with this. Let's go to Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. Because we want to talk about your rights and your privileges as a tither and as a giver. And I could kind of understand Cain being upset to a point. Because, because think about it. Just before this, they, uh, Adam and Eve were in the garden. Oh, yeah. And their food just... If they were hungry, they just went off over and picked something off of a tree or off a vine and ate it. They didn't have to work for it at all. It was basically handed to them on a silver right. platter. Now, so Cain, you got to know that when, when Cain and Abel were growing up, they were hearing stories about how it used to be and how great it was. Right. And now we got to do all this work. Yeah. So Cain was kind of trained in that, in that resentment. Yep, yep. He learned it from his parents. Yep. All right, so uh, Genesis chapter 14 to hear um, a bunch of uh, different kingdoms gathered together um, in war against another king, against another kingdom, Sodom and Gomorrah specifically. We'll pick this up. But in verse 9, it lists the name of some of these other uh, kings. And at the end of this verse, it says four kings with five. So this is nine, nine different kingdoms are about to go to war with Sodom and Gomorrah. So this is nine against two, essentially. How much you know, that's, that's some serious, uh, not great odds. So let's, keep, let's pick up right here in verse 10. All right. And uh, 14.10, yeah, that's where we're picking up. And the vale of Siddim was full of slime pits, and the king of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there. And they that remained fled to the mountain. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. So the nine kingdoms came against the two kings of Sodom, the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah. The two kings were on the run. They ran into the, they ran into the slime pits and got overtaken by the nine kings, or the nine kingdoms. Um, and and uh, the nine kingdoms took all of the spoils of Sodom and Gomorrah. And they took Lot, Abraham's brother's, son who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed 
And there came one that had escaped and told Abram, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamir, the Amorite, brother of uh, Eshcol and brother of Aner. And these were confederate with Abraham. Did you know that confederate was in the Bible? First time I read that, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Confederate means, means allies and brothers. So, so Abraham, or Abram, his, his name has not been changed yet, has these allies with him. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them into Dan. Okay, let's think this through. You've got nine kings and their armies. Nine armies. Plus, now you've got the remnants of Sodom and Gomorrah. So that's 9, 10, 11. 11 kingdoms of soldiers that you're fixing to go up against. And you're taking how many people with you? 318. 318. 318 against the nine kingdoms and the remnants of Sodom and Gomorrah's troops. This is not, these are not good odds, people. <laughs> These are not good odds. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night, and smote them and pursued them unto Tobah. So he took the 318, which is 150, uh, 158, or 159. So he took 159 and said, you go that way, and that's 159 will go this way, and we're going to take on. So if the 318 was already not intimidating, now we're half the size that we were. And we're going to attack from the left, and you're going to attack from the right. Are you kidding me right about now, Abram? Are you kidding me right about now? Keep going. All right. And he brought back all the goods and also <laughs> brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Chedor, Chedor Lamir. Which was the head of, the, of, the head of all of the kings and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Shaveh, which is the king's dale. So this is a wide open grassy place. And, Melchiz and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. He was the priest of the most high God. Okay, let's talk about Melchizedek for just a minute. And let's talk about this battle for a minute. So you've got these nine kingdoms that you're going up against, plus you've got the residue of Sodom and Gomorrah, and you're trying to bring them back. You're bringing Lot and all his wives and all his kids and everything back with you. And there's only 318 of you to begin with. How much do you know there needed to be some divine intervention for the victory? So Abram, who had not yet had covenant with God, just went out with what God had laid on his heart to do and trusted that God would take care of him. How much you know, in that moment, Abram understood that the only reason he had victory against nine kingdoms was because of the hand of God. Amen. He understood that. Now let's talk about Melchizedek for just a minute. Hold your place right here and go to Psalms 50. Psalms 50. We're holding a lot of places. We're coming back to this <laughs> chapter, so hold right here. We're going to go to Psalms 50. We've got to see how the Bible kind of ties itself together. Right. And when you go passage to passage rather than on screens, it helps you. So Psalms 50. I'm sorry. Psalms 110. Okay. So sorry. 
Just a few more pages. You got out of out of order on your notes. I huh? did. <laughs> Amen. So, verse. Glory to God. So Psalms 110. And verse 4. Um. Or we could just do the whole thing. Let's read. Let's just read the. Let's just read this whole ver This whole right. uh, chapter. So verse one. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Who do you think he's talking about? Sounds an awful lot like Jesus. Yep. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, <coughs> in the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning. Thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So he's prophesying about the coming of Christ. And he said, you're going to be a priest in the order or the likeness of Melchizedek forever. All right, but let's find out some interesting things here. Continue on? Yep. <clears throat> okay. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. Now, this other, these two places in the New Old Testament are the only two places that we hear about Melchizedek. And I don't think we're going to have time to get there today. But over in the book of Hebrews, you find out that Melchizedek has no beginning and no end. There's no lineage for Melchizedek. They don't know, like, and we know, one thing that we know about the Old Testament is, and even the New Testament, but especially in the Old Testament, they are all about lineage. lineage. So the fact that there's this high priest who is also a king has no lineage is a head scratcher. It's a real head scratcher. So now let's go back to Genesis 14, and let's read some more about Melchizedek. All right, so verse 9, uh, or do you want to go back to 8? 14. Or, I mean, 18, I'm sorry. 18, I yeah. It. Okay, 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought okay, forth. Okay, pause. I forgot to tell you this. Melchizedek literally means uh, the righteous judge. That's what his name literally means, or the king of righteousness. The king of righteousness. And um, this land that he is the king over, the king of Salem, is uh, the land of peace. And this land of Salem eventually becomes Jerusalem that we know today. Hmm. Jerusalem. Jerusalem. So here is the righteous king, and he's, and he's presiding over the land of peace, which is Jerusalem. This is all types and shadows of Jesus. Types and shadows of Jesus. Okay, now let's keep going. Because you got to remember, when the, when the Old Testament was written, Jesus hadn't come yet, so they didn't yeah. know about him. But they, were, they had Melchizedek. But, hey, but here's Melchizedek. All right, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. Not the wine you get in the grocery store. This was the freshest fruit. This is fruit juice. And he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram, or Abram, of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies okay, into thy hand. Pause. So I, I, I'm trying to get it to you when you so that you understand it when he does what he does. 
Right. Melchizedek is the king of righteousness. He rules over the land of peace, which is God's promised land. And he is, so not only is he king, but he is also the high priest. This is the only place in the Old Testament that somebody is both king and priest. What is Jesus? King and He's priest. He's king and priest. King and priest. Melchizedek is king and priest. Oh, my goodness. And what does this king and this priest do to Abram? He blesses, he blesses them. them. Now, that word bless goes back to blood. That word bless at its root goes back to being spelled this way, B-L-E-S-T. And it literally means to be sealed with blood. That word blessed means to cause to be happy and prosperous in every area of life. So when God says, Derek, I bless you, what God is saying is, Derek, I command all health and prosperity to come into you and into your life. And immediately, all heaven, all the angels, everything goes to work to cause this blessing, this prosperity, this happiness, this good fortune to come to Derek. Why? Because the king of righteousness, the king of righteousness, the priest of the, the, the high priest of God has said, go cause the blessing, go cause the blood-sealed blessing to charge into his life. Isn't that pretty cool? Now, he doesn't just say you're blessed. He blesses him multiple times. He blesses him multiple times. He said, and it says, and he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. In other words, he declares the level of blessing that belongs to him. He said, you're going to be blessed according to all of the riches of heaven and all of the riches of earth. And blessed be the most high God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand. How much do you know? Melchizedek declared, uh, Abram, the only way you defeated these nine, these nine armies is because God caused it to come to pass. Because God caused it to come to pass. Now let's keep going. All right. And he gave him, and he gave him tithes of all. Who gave tithes of all? Abram. Abram, who did he give them to? Melchizedek. Which is the high priest and the God. just king and the king of righteousness. How much tithe did he give? It says that he gave a tithe of all. Yeah, 10% that means of all. he gave 10% of the gold, 10% of the silver, 10% of the flocks, 10% of the raiment, 10% of every increase that came to him. He said 10% of it, a tithe. He gave. Now that word ties right there, when you look it up, has a couple different meanings, and this meaning applies every time you see the word tithe or tithes. Uh, it means to it mean it literally means to give a tenth, or to sow or to receive a tenth. Literally, there's a there's a connection between giving and a connection to receiving a tenth every time you see this word. So here, Abram gave the tenth, and Melchizedek accepted the tenth, and he did it of all. Now, so we can see that there was an exchange between God and man. God 
provided the increase. And man said, now Melchizedek, the high priest, I'm going to sow a tent into your ministry. A tent into your kingdom. That's what he does. So let's keep reading. All right, verse 21. And the king of Sodom said unto Abraham, Give me the person and take the goods to thyself. And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lift up mine hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth. Hey, so look at that. Sodom, the king of Sodom. We know that Sodom was a very uh, sinful land. We know that Sodom uh, is very uh, just, just full of filth and disgust. And, and here, the king of Sodom, the king of filth and disgust, Satan's land, gets his hand, he sees, uh, he sees Abram hand over the tithe to the high priest of God. And so now this king comes along and says, um, give me my portion. He no, he said he wanted the people, not the good. Which is a portion. Yeah. Notice, he, notice the king of Sodom said, I want the people. Why does he want the people? He wants to take them into slavery. He wants the people. That's what the devil wants. The devil always wants to take, you into, take the people into slavery. Always. Types and shadows. The Old Testament's full of types and shadows, full of them. But look at what, look at what. Now, if, you, if you're a money-minded person, that sounds like a deal. Oh, I can keep the 10%? Because let me tell you something. Well, I'd keep everything other than the ten. Let me, let me. Well, he already handed over a portion. The ten percent. But how much you know? Right about now, that's looking pretty good. We've dealt with some. We've dealt with some. We have dealt. And Pastor Michael and I have dealt with big money. And I'm telling you what, a small portion of big money is big money. A small portion of big money is big money. So how much you know? That would have been very tempting. The cut to keep, but what what did Abraham do? Abraham went. Abram went to return to Sodom and Gomorrah. What was theirs? What was theirs? And Sodom and the king of, and, and the king of Sodom was the king of Sodom. Yeah, the king of Sodom said, "You can keep the money, give me the people." But if he had done that, then he would have owed. He would have been in bondage to that king all the days of his life. So really what he was saying, it's kind of like this. I give Jackie $100 to go to the store and to get X get me like $20 worth of stuff. She comes back with my $20 worth of stuff plus my $80 worth of change. And I look at her and I go, just give me my, I don't want all my stuff. I want just this little portion of stuff that I sent you for. Now you keep my 80 and you keep a portion of what I sent you for. How much do you know in that, if I do that, she's going to have a feeling of owing me something in the future. Right? Wow, they did something for me. See, see, this is, and so this is how the devil works. This is how people work. But look at how smart Abram was. Abram was so smart. 23. <clears throat> that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet or shoelace, that, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou should say I have made Abram rich. Basically, he told. He basically, here's what he did. He said. He said to the king of Sodom, "We could say, 
to the king of Satan. He said, he said, listen, he said, I'm not keeping anything that's yours. I belong to the Father God. And I'm not keeping anything of yours because if I keep something of yours, you're going to say, I'm the one that made Abram rich. And he said, you had no part in it, King Sodom. He said, you had no part in it. You had no part in it. Uh, he said, save only that which the young men have eaten and the portion of the men which went with me. And he kind of lists them. He said, listen, he said, the only thing of yours that I want, or the, he said, the only thing of yours that we'll use is what your people have already eaten and these few soldiers that have decided on their own to come with me. So one thing that we can see from being a tither and a giver is being a tither is that when we tithe, the blessing comes upon God blesses us. Uh, or really what I should say is that when God blesses us, then we have an obligation to sow back to God because we understand that God gave it to us. Now look at verse 15. Verse 15 is amazing to me. The fact that this act follows right on the heels of this event amazes me. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards heaven, and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Just keep going. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, Take me a heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst and lay each piece one against the other. But the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And then the sun was going down, or, and when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall aff afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterwards shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day, the Lord said, or the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river of the river Euphrates. All right. 
So what do we see? So here's what we see. This is an amazing, beautiful picture. What we just read was the beginning of the covenant with Abraham being cut. It's what we see happening. Remember, a covenant is a legal contract that is between two people. That contract is for the purpose of drawing two people together, knit closely together, and is sealed in blood. Okay? Uh, so what happened was Abram went out, took on these nine armies. God caused him to overcome them. Uh, then God blessed him, and then he said, here's your tenth. He gave a tithe. So God first blessed Abram first. God first took care of Abram. How much do you know God first took care of us? God took care of us even when we were sinners. God first takes care of us. Then when we figure out, wow, God's taking care of us, we give a tenth of our increase. That's the tithe. And immediately upon tithing, here comes Satan to test the heart of Abram. And Abram said, mm-mm. My heart doesn't belong to man. My heart belongs to God. And then when God saw that, God knew that Abram was his man. And God came down to Abram, and God cut covenant with Abram, who in the cutting of the covenant became Abraham. So the blessings of Abraham are directly connected to your tithes. Directly connected to tithes. So when you, yes, we, we enter the covenant through the blood of Jesus, but one way that we activate that covenant, one way that we can plead our case with God is we can say, God, we're doing our covenant part, therefore the blessing belongs to us. Therefore your protection belongs to us. Look at the first verse of chapter 15. What did he say? What did God say right here? After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham. Part of the covenant. We have a legal right as tithers to not be in fear. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. We have a legal right as part of covenant that God will shield us and protect us. Part of our covenant right is that God will give us an exceedingly great reward. That's part of covenant. Go over to verse um, 14. Verse 14. Now we understand now, is it now that we can look back in its uh, progressive revelation, we understand that those that were in slavery for 400 years and came out with great substance was the Israelites in Egypt. But God is no respecter of persons. And if he took them out of bondage, they were in physical bondage to men. We're in physical bondage to Satan when we're living outside of God. But when we come into the kingdom of God, then we get to come out of bondage with great substance. That's covenant. And uh, peace, that's covenant. And we get to be buried in a good old age. That's covenant. And ties are connected to all of this. Now, we don't obtain all. We obtain this through receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We come into the covenant through Jesus Christ. But when we are tithers, then we have the legal right to say, Father, we're following the, co we're following the contract. 
and therefore you are more obligated to fulfill your contractual part. Think of it like this. If I, when we did the, re, when we did the, the renovation, we had a contract with our contractor. And, part, and some of the things in the contract, so to speak, was, uh, number one, we would pay them for their labor and their time and their services. We would pay for all the material. We would actually help, and, 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 and we would uh, do certain things to help cut the cost. The contractor said, I'll give you the knowledge, I'll give you the wisdom, I'll loan you equipment, and the stuff that I have to do, I'll do. Now, if the contractor is doing his part, how much do you know? If we, if we now have a contract, we're now in it, he's doing all of his part, but now we, if we were to, which we didn't do this, but if we were to say, you know, I said I know we were going to give part of the labor, but we've decided not to, how much do you know? We'd be breaking contract. I know that we said we'd pay you in a timely manner, but I'm sorry, we just don't have the money. How much you know? We're breaking contract. Did we break the whole contract? No, we'd be breaking just a portion of it. Same thing with God and the covenant. God says, you're in covenant with me. You're good. But if you don't tithe, you're breaking part of the covenant, and therefore my side's not going to work for you as well as it could. As well as it could. So, so how do we tithe? Well, number one, we know that we've got to have our heart right. Now go to Malachi 3. Malachi 3. I'll actually stop off in Genesis 28. I know. I'm sorry. Stop off. In, I'm looking at the clock, but you've got to see this because you've got to understand more of your rights and privileges before we get there. Uh, okay. Genesis 28. Genesis 28. Mm -hmm. This is Jacob, uh, which is a descendant of Abram. Uh, and Jacob... Uh, God is calling him into fellowship, and, and right about now, Jacob is about to cut covenant with God. Uh, he's, about to he's about to go into a contractual deal with God also. Uh, we're going to pick up right here, and we're going to read verses 12 through 15, and then we're going to jump over to verse 20 for the sake of time. All right. And he dreamed, and behold, the ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the Lord God of Isaac. And the land whereupon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee and in, the, in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee at all places, whether, wherever you go, and will bring thee again unto this land. Okay, look at this. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. For I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. Look at verse 15. He, first of all, he promises the promised land. He promises to give him generations of children. That part particularly pertains to him, but we also have a promised land. Our promised land is heaven. So that in that type and shadow, that belongs to us. But look at verse 15. He said, I am with thee. That is covenant. If God was with Jacob, God is with us. He said, I will keep thee in all places. How about you know, if you're kept, all your needs, wants, and desires are taken care of. 
I'm not trying to be crude or anything, but, you know, if, if you've got certain relationships and a man will come, go to a woman, a woman and say, you know, I want you to be my wife, I will keep you. What is he keeping? He's taking care of her. He's providing her a home. He's providing her clothes and food and things like that. Now, in our day and age, sometimes women are the keepers. But, but the idea is I will keep these. I'm going to supply your needs. So that's covenant. So these are two more things that we have. He said, I, will, uh, I am with thee. I will keep thee in all places. Wherever, wherever you go, God's going to keep you. You know, Miss Kathy's getting ready to go to Israel. How much you know God's going with her, and he's going to keep her? Amen. He's going to keep her. Praise the Lord. He said, and I will bring thee again to this land. In other words, the things that this devil has stolen from you, he's going to return it to you. That's covenant. He said, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken of thee. God said, there's things that I'm going to do for you. I, he said, I'm not going to leave you till I bless you. Because Abraham's covenant doesn't go away. Now, let's jump over to verse 20 for sake of time. All right. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. Look at that. He said, he vowed a vow. He said, God, if you'll do your part, if you'll keep me, if you'll go with me, if you'll give me food to eat and clothes to put on. Listen, when God clothes you, he doesn't clothes you in a potato sack. He clothes you in fine raiment. You know, the Michael Kors and things like that. He clothes you in fine raiment. Not that you're going to wear a purse, but you get my point. So that I am come again into my father's house in what? Peace. Peace. He said, God, if you'll go with me and keep me in peace, praise the Lord. He said, then shall the Lord be my God. He said, if you'll do your part, then you can be my God. If you'll do your part, then you can be my God. Now look at what he does. Well, he's saying he'll make him the Lord of his life. That's right. And this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And, all the, and of all that, God, that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. He said, if you'll take care of me, I'm going to give you the tenth. Give you the tenth. That tells you specifically what the tithe is. He said, if you'll increase me, Lord, you get a tenth of it. That's all part of covenant. Now let's go to Malachi. Now let's go to Malachi. You're sure? I'm sure this time. We're going to Malachi. If you get to Matthew, back up one book. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. We're going to run there just a few minutes over, but you've got to see it. You've got to understand it. We're not going to cover all of this subject today. We're going to have to pick up next week, but I at least want to get this point to you. So Malachi chapter 3, let's pick up um, verse 6. All right. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Who, who did he just cut covenant with? Jacob. And he said, I don't change. He said, and here's why I don't change. So that the covenant with Jacob can stand. So that the covenant with Jacob can stand. Now remember, what was the covenant with Jacob? Lord, if you'll increase me, I'll tithe. That was the covenant. And remember that the, 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 the sons of Jacob at this point were not following the Lord. Yeah, most fallen, of them weren't. They were falling away. So he says, because of, because of what he did for Jacob, that's why you're not, you haven't been consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances, and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, 
saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return? They said, what are you talking about? What part of the covenant did we break? They're playing dumb. They're playing dumb. So God says, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Notice he lists tithes, offerings. Tithes and offerings. We're talking specifically about tithes. Because offerings bring different covenant rights. Talking about tithes. Tithes brings protection. Tithes brings peace. Tithes brings substance. Prosperity. Tithes brings prosperity. Tithes keeps God with you. Tithes is one thing. Offerings is another. So he said, you rob me in tithes. He said, you're robbing me in tithes and offerings. Well, what do you mean you're robbing me? God said, we have a covenant. We have a contract. I will take care of you if you will provide a tenth of your increase to my house. That's what he said. So let's keep reading. Verse 9. Ye are cursed with a curse, for, we, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. He's not getting on just one person. He's getting on everybody. He's getting on the whole nation of Israel. He said, all of you, your whole nation is guilty of this. How much you know? The whole nation is guilty. They still fight over if tithing is New Testament or not. I assure you it is. We'll get into it. It is. And I'm, again, I'm not trying to get anything from you. I'm trying to show you that you have rights and you have, you, have, you have benefits by being a tither. If you don't want to tithe, that's between you and God. I don't, that's between you and him. But notice he said, because you're not tithing, because you're not giving offerings, you're cursed with a curse. Why are you cursed with a curse? Is God like, you're going to give me my money or I'm going to curse you? No. He, you, you willingly broke the covenant, which means you've opened the door to Satan on your own free will. And he's trying to get us to close the door is what he's trying to do. All right. All right. Let's keep going. And a covenant is a promise between, yeah. between well, Two in people. this case, between God and, and his people. That's right. And if one side breaks the promise. It makes it harder on the other side. All right, verse 10. So bring all the tithes, or bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith. I love this verse. He said, bring ye all your tithes into the storehouse. What is the storehouse? In the local New Testament, the storehouse is the local church where you are fed weekly, where your, pa where your pastor is, where if you need help, you need prayer you need anything we're the ones that take care of you on the day-to-day -day. your tithe goes to your local house that's where your tithe goes why it says so that there may be meat in my storehouse now i started this sermon with saying pastor michael and i don't take a salary currently as we grow as the church gets in a financial position that they can then we will and it will help us financially however the, the point that he was making is that when the tithe comes in, what the tithe does is it allows the church to be taken care of. In other words, the church can pay their bills. The church can pay the rent, the electric, all the, you know, uh, the, 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 all the bills. They can pay the bills. The pastors can be taken care of. You know, we're not looking for a grand lap of luxury mansion. Just, you know, basic living needs met. And have our needs met so that we can spend more time in the Word, 
more time in prayer so that when we come to minister the word to you, we have a word for you in season. And it's also so the church can be a blessing. Right. You know, because right. if one of our church members falls on hard times, they need a little bit to get by. Right. The church will help the them The church out. can help them. And, and we do that. And we, we do, are able and to And not do just that. the people in this church either. We right. reach out to others too. Right. As the Lord leads us. As the Lord leads us. So he said, bring your tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. In other words, he said, bring your tithe so that my local church can do the work that I've called them to do. That's the whole purpose of the tithe. From a, from a natural standpoint, that's the whole purpose of the tithe. From a supernatural standpoint, the purpose of the tithe is so that you can have tithers rights, so that you can say, hey, I'm a tither, devil. Take your staff off my hands. Now look at what he says. He said, and prove me now therein. He said, prove me, prove me. Other translations say, test me, test me. Check me. He said, <laughs> in other words, he said, he said, you, you can go back, you can look at the covenant, which we just did. He said, and if you'll become a tither, you'll begin to notice those privileges and those rights will begin to operate in your life like they've never operated before. That's how you test God. You say, okay, God. I don't really get it. I don't really understand it. But I see in your word that if I'm a tither, I get certain rights. So I'm going to put you to the test. Here's my tithe. Now where's my blessing? Yep. That's what you get to and, do. And so he goes on. He says, so and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, and there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now, there's been seasons in our life that we've had some, some stuff come to us, and we're like, oh, my God, where are we going to put it all? I mean, it, this literally does happen. This literally happens. And sometimes, I, there's been a few times that I've looked at the Lord and said, Lord, I don't know if this is a blessing or a curse, and what do I do with it all? I mean, it literally. Uh, you know, not that long ago, we had this problem when it came to groceries in the house. Thank God, it was wonderful, but every time we turned around, somebody was bringing us groceries, and it was wonderful. And we shared our groceries with people. We helped feed people and stuff, but God says, but here's what you have to understand. This is not always going to be financial dollars in your hand. It can be, and it is. We receive checks in the mail. Jackie's, she's the queen of that as far as I'm concerned. Every time I turn around, she's like, I got, a, I got an unexpected check in the mail. I'm like, hello, can you, like, rub hands on my mailbox? Like, hello? Not really, because we get blessed in other ways. Derek's a tither and a giver, and he's had two cars given to him. Two. Two. Now, granted, the first one had, like, 400,000 miles on it, but it worked for him for years, and it still works. I'm telling you, that car is God. That car is God. God is never. Listen, there's an angel assigned to that car to make that car go because he's a tither and a giver. Then he got the second car. And it does. I mean, the devil tried to take that car out, but God, but can I tell on you? I'm going to tell on him. I'm going to tell on him. I'm going to tell on him. He gave me permission. He got, he got, he got. The king of Sodom came and said, when the car, when the car, that little red light on the dash came on, the car of Sodom came down and said, what you going to do? What you going to do? Satan, what you going to do? Oh, your car's broke now. Oh, you ain't got the money now. Oh, you better not send in that tithe. You be now, you were given $5 every service. You better not give that $5. You better keep that in your pocket because now you've got to pay to fix that car. And guess what? Derek yielded to that spirit. 
He backed off on his tithing. Now, I'm going to tell on him. He didn't stop tithing altogether. He did a once a month tithe on a portion. And I was like, mm. and I didn't say a word to him. <laughs> did I say a word to you? I didn't say a single word to him. And this went on for months. Not only did the, did the full tithe stop, but the offering stopped too. And I didn't say a word. And the whole time he kept going, money's just, money's not, and the car's not, and they can't fix it, and I just don't know what I'm going to do. And I just, I mean, and it was just, it was, a, it was a long time. It was several months. And finally Derek said, Pastor, I just, I don't get it. I don't understand. And I looked at him and I said, Derek, he said, yeah, Pastor. I said, I know what the problem is. And he looked at me and he said, it's my tithing, isn't it? And I said, I wasn't going to say it, but you did. And he said, the Lord's been correcting me. He said, he, he pointed out to me that I got under pressure and I stopped tithing and offering. And I said, yeah. I said, that was what my question was going to be, is I was going to ask you precisely when did this problem happen and was there any other changes at that time? But I didn't have to. And he, and I, and he said, so, Pastor, if I repent and I start tithing like I need to and doing what the Lord tells me to do, would that help my car situation? And I said, <laughs> the Bible says test and proving, test and proving, Derek, test and proving. Derek said, okay, Pastor, I'll get right on it. And I'm telling you, he started tithing. He started getting it, giving, giving offerings, and all of a sudden the mechanics had supernatural wisdom that knew how to fix his car. After months, I mean, almost a year, I mean, he hadn't stopped, he hadn't stopped a year tithing, but I mean, it was a mo a, almost a year of a battle, and uh, within a matter of a few weeks, and then, they, and then he said, well, my car's ready, but now I don't have the money. I said, just keep tithing, just keep giving, it'll come, and all of a sudden, he was at work one day, and, and a friend of his said, well, well, what's going on with your car? He said, well, it's finally fixed, but my finances are a little off, and uh, she said, well, I'll tell you what, she said, I'll go get your car out of the dealership, and you just pay me back as you can. And he said, are you serious? She said, yeah, come on, get in the car. Let's go. How much do you know that's tithing in operation? That's tithing in operation. We're a little bit over, but I'm going to give you one more story or one more account. It's real life, true account. Um, I, I know I've met these people personally. Some of y'all have met them personally. Um, but Dr. Barclay is another very gifted minister of the gospel up in um, Michigan. Uh, and he teaches tithers' rights. In fact, he, in my opinion, pushes the ditch line on it. My, my personal opinion. Uh, my personal opinion. But he teaches it very well. He teaches it very right. Um, and, he, and I say that, but listen, obviously the fact that he, teach, that he taught on it to the degree that he did brought a miracle. Because he taught this, tithers' rights, tithers' rights, tithers' rights, tithers' rights. Uh, his granddaughter who at the time was about, I think she was about, what, 9, 10 years old, somewhere in there, I believe she was, uh, was in the swimming pool. And the drain in the pool was down at the bottom, and she had long hair. And her hair got caught in the drain of the pool. And it took them a little bit to figure out what was going on. And uh, by the time they figured out what was going on and got to her, she had already left her body, essentially. She was already dead. She was already blue, lifeless, already essentially dead. Um, and so her father, uh, which was Dr. Barclay's son, uh, dove down in the pool, got her out, got her up, got her taken, was getting her taken care of. Um, 
uh, mothers were there, the, the paramedics were there. As soon as he could get his hands off, well, while he was working on her, and then as soon as other people took care of working on her, he got off and started shouting at the Lord in distress, not shouting because he thought God was deaf, but because he was distressed. His daughter's laying at the poolside dead. And he began to declare, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I command my daughter to return to her body. I command her body to return. And then he put God in remembrance that he was a tither and had tither's rights and that the devil had no right to take his daughter out prematurely. And so he was, he was, he was there at the pool commanding, I have tither's rights. I have tither's rights. I command her, her spirit back into her body. When the paramedics got there, they declared her dead, but they kept working on her. And all of the sudden, as he's over there pleading the case, putting God in remembrance of tither's rights, her spirit entered her body, and she coughed and came back to life. And uh, so much so that there was no side effect. She was perfectly normal. The paramedics saw it, and uh, they said, well, she technically drowned. We understand that she's fine, but we still have to take her to the hospital. So they went ahead and took her to the hospital, and she's alive and well and testifies today. Um, and, and she says this. She said she knew when her hair got caught that she was in trouble. And she said, I remember telling Jesus, Jesus, I don't want to leave today. She said, Jesus, I don't want to leave today. That was the last thing she remembered before she went unconscious is I don't want to leave today. But because they were tithers and they understood that God would never leave you, God would never forsake you, God would be there for you, God would take care of you, God would cause you to be happy and prosperous and well, how much do you know, if she had gone to heaven that day, even with the knowledge that that, that girl was in heaven, how much do you know, they wouldn't have been happy and well. Their spirits would have been hurt and broke. So, so we have rights and privileges as tithers. And so God, so God said, test and prove me. Test and prove me. So when you're up against some things, when you're pleading your case with God, remind him, put him in remembrance. Hey, God, I'm a tither and I have covenant rights. Yes, I'm in Christ, and the blood of Jesus takes care of everything. But by the way, I'm a tither, and I have tither's rights. Amen. I'm a tither, and I have tither's rights. I have tither's privileges. Next week, we'll look at offerings and what's the difference between an offering and a tithe, at least as far as I know. God can change things, but as far as I know, that's where we'll go. Glory to God. It's his service. It's his way. Glory to God. Well, thank you, Father. Glory to God. Well, I have a tithe somewhere. Help me to locate it, Lord. Thank you. <laughs> I have a tithe somewhere. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. If our ushers will come, we'll serve the people. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And again, if your heart ain't right, keep your money in your pocket. Because it ain't going to work until you get your heart right. And we didn't even get to that scripture. Right. <laughs> There's a lot in there. There's a lot on there in right. tithing. Well, Lord, we thank you for this word that we've received today. We thank you that that you uh, give us this time to be able to, to give unto your kingdom because we know that, that you will bless us and that you will give us the right to rebuke the devourer and you will bless us more than we could ever ask, hope, or think. And Lord, we just, we just know that, that you will look out after us, that you will keep us healthy, that you will give us peace, and that, we, that all this comes because we honor you with our, with our first fruits. Lord, with our first fruits, we will honor you and we will give unto you and we will bless you. Lord, we just love you, and we want to see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven.
But we ask that you bless this offering, that, that you bless it so that it goes further than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the doing of your work. Lord, we just, we just love, love you, and we thank you for all that you've done for us. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. We are tithers, and we have tithers' rights, and you cannot come to take our health, our things. You cannot come to take our word, because we stand against you, and we will continue to do so. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. Father, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Satan, get your grubby hands off of, this, off of their increase. You have no right to it. They have covenant rights. We rebuke you. We bind you. We command you to loose every financial increase in every form. Return the sevenfold that you've stolen from them. And angels, go according to the word. Cause finances increase in every area to come in Jesus' mighty name. And, Father, we thank you that the word is working. Amen and amen, 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 amen. Healing even applies in the covenant. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. All right. Whew, I preached myself hot and warm. I needed to turn that fan on. I kept not getting oh, back yeah. there. You know, it's just right there. I know. I just never got back there. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Let me grab me a mint and I'll be right there. Well, we are uh, dismissed. We got service Wednesday, prayer Saturday. Glory to God. Service tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Ouch.